covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Walls podcast, the final walkthrough edition and the first day after the death of the laptop. Um, Rest man, in peace, laptop. <laughs> uh, it stinks. But anyways, week 10 is on our horizons. But we can't get to week 10 without important information for you, the fans. Remember, I'm Jim Renier, a.k.a. the Sharks fandom people. I get hell of hatred from that. And, of course, my partner crime, 900 miles away from Indianapolis, Zach Kyleman. Hey, yo. How's it going? <laughs> Okay. I'm saying that most. Uh, of, I'm saying that to you people out there, Jim. I, obviously, the laptop. I know how it's going going for you right now. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> you and I. We look. We talk almost every day. I, I, I hope I know how you're doing. I swear. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think I know how you are. Twenty-one gun salute or twenty-one keys salute. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> twenty-one keys salute. We'll do so it no laptop. It, it it went through. Name me a laptop that's last five plus years. Anybody's. Mine I did. Mean, that that's a good life for a laptop. You, you got a lot. You got your value out of it. I, yeah. I applaud you. You did. That's good. why I'm on a, my cell phone. Luckily, we have 5G. Um, but anyways, uh, thank you for listening to the show. Remember, you can follow us on every social media platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even NationalArenaLeague.com for up-to-date information of Inside the Walls videos, rants, interviews, and much, much more in the walls. Inside the Walls, not in walls, Inside the Walls <laughs> podcast is available at nationalarenaleague.com forward slash videos or everywhere on social at in walls pod. So let's get it going. So we're doing something unique about our power rankings. We've we've gotten a lot of feedback from them. Um, so we decided that if me and Zach's power rankings are identical, we won't break down every single pick or reason why. So basically what we're going to do is give you our six teams in order and we'll do a synopsis on all six. There you now go. we'll post it on Facebook and Twitter. So if you have debate there, we'll debate with you on there, but most likely if when our picks are not are different on our power rankings, then we'll have debates on the show. It's so we can have a faster episode, the close out a Friday show and get you guys into NL action for the upcoming week. So, we both agree on everything. So here we go. The power rankings for week nine entering week 10 in the National Arena League are, are number six, the Orlando Predators. Number five, the San Antonio Gunslingers. Number four, the Albany Empire. Number three, the Jacksonville Sharks. Number two, the Columbus Lions. And number one, the Carolina Cobras. Ta-da! Yeah, I'm so happy that I actually got all the teams' names right this time. Hey, <laughs> earlier this week, I was confused. <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars, the the freaking Carolina Panthers. Like, yeah, that's it. Hey, I actually got. Um, my synopsis of how my rank. I only had two big uh, switches. I had Columbus jumping Jacksonville because the head-on head-on victory last week, and also have Albany dropping as they've lost three consecutive games, and I have San Antonio moving up because. They're catching on fire. They're getting they're getting momentum, and honestly, it's so hard for that bottom tier. Um, Saint, is Albany threatening to drop further? Possibly, if that streak still continues, because uh, San Antonio is getting hotter each and every single week. Especially if something happened this week, we could see a big jump where San Antonio jumps oh, yeah. San, uh, Albany in this in the rankings. But overall, my, mine were not no major difference. Carolina stays up top because. They won this weekend, and they solidified themselves as the first-place team. And Orlando at this point, just they're just batting the bottom, but they're not that far from San Antonio because it's, as you as we described before, it's a cluster in the bottom of the division. Or oh, yeah. San, excuse me. Division. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> it is definitely a cluster. I mean, this is, you know, another another week. Great minds think alike. Sometimes we're a little off, but, I, you know, generally, generally you and I, Jim, are very much on the same page on stuff. And, I, and you know, I mean, after last week, it, the logical conclusion was, okay, if Columbus wins, and obviously they're fully back, they fully have gotten what they needed to sustain and possibly challenge for a NAL title right now. It, I mean, last two weeks, it's looking proofs in the pudding at this moment. You know, they definitely deserve to move up. Albany, you know, 
they they I couldn't move them past Jacksonville just because of the fact that they're they're on a, they're on a slide right now. You know they got you got to find some sort of buffer. It's not going to get easier this week as we're going to talk. Columbus uh, being one of if not one of the hottest teams in the NAL, I would actually argue that it's you know San Antonio at the moment is, but Columbus is making an argument in that case. And they found their groove. They found the rhythm, offensive identity, defensively. I mean, what, what can we say at this point? We haven't already about them. Again, arguably the best defense, if not the best one in the NAL, just based on pure statistics, if you wanted to go on that. Agreed. You know? They prove it each week. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. no debate and, there. Right. And Carolina, once again, I, I mean, they were already, they got themselves reestablished after a rough previous week. You know, as Agreed. Jim talked, maybe, you know, I know they had some they had some issues going in, but they also, uh, possibly overlooked said opponent and it just kind of uh it was different we got some uh excuses or things about that week against columbus prior nonetheless they showed up at home they took care of business things are on the rebound they're still number one in the league still having that case being said and i mean orlando it you know they moved down or they're just down because of the fact that they went slide even as we talked in the recaps like you know, even with the calls we discussed, and I'm not this, we're not going into it again. We had our share, but even with the calls discussed, I mean, that was their game to lose. San Antonio has found their rhythm. San Antonio has, has now have, has pieces on this roster. You know, we didn't even mention Tony Sparrow, by the way, who fans have been saying, Hey, don't forget about this guy. It's like, yeah, you're right. Defensively, he's been kicking. Yeah. Some, I'll be saying he's been kicking ass. So yeah, I'll put it that I way. I completely forgot about that, dude. Yeah, you're a good point. <laughs> We were so we were so concentrated on the issues of last weekend, we forgot to you know concentrate on the individual performances throughout the right. league. Yeah, some things get overlooked, especially you know the passionate passion yeah. of the uh, of the heat of the moment and all that jazz. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but speaking yeah. of passion, our last episode or on Wednesday rewind, big time downloads. I appreciate all of you that listened to us. Um, but let's just say it's called some stirs within the league. So they're listening and how you guys did it. Um, please stand by because it looks like we're about to get something that every fan has been asking for for since the start of the NAL in 2017. Um, it's in the works. It's yeah. in the works. All of our services have said it's in the works and probably within days, possibly within a week find out I, I hope i hope this is the case we'll we'll hold our tongue until it is true until it's true and we see it uh available uh nonetheless though um oh. yeah power rankings wise kind of like i said kind of speaks for its itself yeah. i mean obvious wins and things of nature that just kind of move some teams up and down number one still number one a new mm-hmm. number two that looks to be the true number two um in the middle of the the middle of this whole standings is still a mess as well as the power rankings it's it's only going to keep going that way until i really i really think until week four week 14 shows up the and muck. the final whistle's blown you know i got so many shirt ideas that's gonna be one of them the muck the muck <laughs> we what time get shirts the, that the muck you know we're gonna get that jack out of the box we'll, we'll get the we gotta get we'll get those organized or don't know? let the bye week get you <laughs> yeah, don't lose to the bye Still a classic, week, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't lose the bye week. Uh, um, it's, a, it's a good one. It's a good so one. we got games this weekend, um, especially here in Jacksonville tonight. Uh, I'll be at the game, uh, as you can tell, it's daylight, and we record this on Thursday, so technically it's tomorrow. I will be at the game. Ooh. So where do you want to start off? Do you want to go up to Albany, or do you want to go to San Antonio? Well, you know what. I think if we're talking about a team, I, I think it's not, maybe not a team in crisis, but one that I think has to, you know, make, it's kind make of a up. make it or break it as the way the trend's been going. We got to go and talk about Sunday's game in Albany and not, not just for that. They're also doing a pretty cool event right now, kind of honoring some previous uh, arena teams uh, mm-hmm. that pre that from the AFL days, you know, Albany, as we know, is, it has, it has a deep history in the arena scene. Um, turns out they also they were able to acquire or have produced. It's one of the two, but either way, they have brought back banners this weekend. They're going to drop both the 1999 Championship Albany Firebirds banner as well as the 2019 Empire banner to go alongside their 2021 banner. A nice nod to those fans, uh, one that I think is, you know, really trying to generate the crowd to bring some people out and celebrate kind of uh, reminisce a little bit. 
Um, and maybe hopefully so no, rally the troops. <laughs> so no love for the Albany Conquest? Ah, they, well, they didn't win any of them. Oh. Or any championships that oh, I'm aware okay. of in AF2 for them. All right. Well, we recognize Jaxel Topcats here. You, you know, well, I'll say this, though. I have seen one person at the one or two at the most on Facebook on our on our chats. Mm-hmm. There are conquest fans that they said that was one of their last games, so they are out there, you know. You, or they so it's or, far between, or they never left. I mean, that's the other part. But <laughs> you know, the con- I mean, it's fine. I mean, kudos to you for remembering the conquest. I I just I was just thinking champions. I know they exist, <laughs> so that's good. The Conquest have a very underrated logo that was, as as anybody realizes, the AF2 back in the day had some of the most epic logos for their teams. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, they have a pretty cool logo. I think it's like a gladiator with a freaking sword stabbing somebody, I think, if I've remembered. But that's the old, technically, empire, because the gladiators was also Roman, and Roman was also notorious for being the empire. So the mm-hmm. empire are hosting the Lions in the Coliseum of the MVP arena. Um, I'm just trying to get Coliseum from like Roman days. It's a big game this week and crucial game for the first time in Albany empire history or Albany organization. I think we had somebody say that they haven't had a three game losing streak since the firebird era. Yeah. It's been a long time. And now you're going up against a team that's on fire. Columbus healthy has a QB has a nasty defense who Almost beat Albany a couple weeks ago without uh, without a quarterback because they had Darren Daniel who was hurt. Now they got a healthy guy. Defense is healthy, and but there's a key. There's a couple key things in this game that I want you, the fans, to understand. This is Stark's return to Albany from what happened in Columbus, and there's a lot of Albany fans that want revenge on him. Uh, FYI, don't tick him off because he was went off on Jacksonville. He went off on Carolina a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's because that game. I think this is going to be a darn right slugfest. I really do. I think Albany, I know how I said it was a trap game a couple weeks ago against the San Antonio, which it was a trap game. And usually if you have that trap game mentality and you overlook, a losing streak follows. Deja vu. Losing streaks follows. Um, mm. This is a crucial game for Albany. They don't win this game against Columbus. Number two seed gone. Possibly top three seed. He might be a four seed going back up to play Carolina. And if San Antonio starts catching on fire, you're trying to hold off the gunslingers for the four. This is a crucial game. And for Manas and Levesque and Gaz and all the guys over there, from what I've seen, I guarantee what me and you have seen, Zach is that you need to stop targeting one guy. Yes. Spread the love. Columbus is going to go in there. Jason Gibson is going to go in there and say, you know what, Darius Prince, you can beat me all night long. Don't care. We're going to stop everyone else. And if they do that, Columbus is going to go up there, get their first one in Albany, and they'll be celebrating in that field and basically eliminating Albany's chance of being the one seed and possibly eliminating them to be the two seed in the upcoming postseason. This is crucial. But for for Columbus' sake, bring the same mentality that you had against Carolina when you had against Jacksonville to Albany. Hit Albany early. Get dysfunction on that line of scrimmage. Make Sam Castronova uncomfortable or Warren Smith Jr., whoever is the starting quarterback, and punish. What they did against Jacksonville is they got Arvell Nelson out of the pocket. What they did against Columbus, uh, Carolina is got Jonathan Bain out of the pocket. Two quarterbacks that are dynamic in the pocket, and they broke away and got them away from their game plan. Castronova is mobile, yes, but still, quarterbacks do not like to get chased out of the pocket every single possession, every single down. They oh, like yeah. to be behind their center for a while. Go, this is pretty nice. This is cool. Then throw the football. Castronova is key to this game. Columbus, their defense, have they been playing the last couple of weeks? Actually, since there's a couple losses they had that their defense was solid, like an Orlando game. If they bring that same mentality, if they attack Albany, like I think they're going to attack Albany, they're not going to go try and outscore Albany. They're going to slow down Albany, and they're going to shut down key components of Albany. What's going to happen is if Smith is having a good game for Columbus. That's true. Albany's in trouble. If Darius Prince is having eight touchdowns and everyone else has nothing, Albany could be winning, but they could also be in trouble. If 
Casanova is spreading the love to everybody, Albany should win this game. And I did it last week when I said Jacksonville prove it. I won't pick Jacksonville in Columbus to beat the, beat the Lions. And I was right. Jacksonville didn't prove it. Columbus is going back to Albany. They haven't won in Albany. They've been there three times. This is their third time as a franchise, and they've lost both times. And they've had Mason Espinosa and the same dang good defense. But this time, there's no Tommy Grady on the other side. There's no Malachi Jones on the other side of the field. Completely different team. So it does a streak in in Albany for myself. It does. Columbus gets the big win, and they solidify themselves as a top-two team in the league. But this is going to be a downright slugfest in Albany, I believe. It's going to be a very entertaining arena football game to a score where people say, this is not an arena football score. That's basically <laughs> what the game is going to be. It's going to be ugly. You're going to see two different type of game plans. You're going to see Columbus trying to shut down everyone else besides Prince, and you're going to see Castronova trying to get Prince and get someone else going. If someone else besides name Prince gets on fire or catches on fire, Albany wins. But I highly doubt that seeing how Columbus has been playing over the last couple of weeks. See, I'm, this is my thing. I got to ask you. So you don't. So do you? My baseline for an arena score, and may, to some people, this might even seem low. The winning team to me has to hit forty. That that's where I think is like if you're if you are a decent arena team, you're going to hit forty points every game. So mm-hmm. you, do you not see that happening? I see both of them touching forty, but it's low forties, like okay. 45, 41 type of ordeal. Uh, Columbus is good when they hold their opponents down below 40 points, they, the, a couple of wins this year, they've shut down teams. Um, one thing I know about Columbus, they don't shoot you. They can't shoot you out. Now, if it was Mason Espinosa, completely different. That's a powerful offense. But this year, this version of Columbus has taken nine weeks to find their identity. They're not going to throw it up and down the field on you. They're just not, they're going to nickel and dime you and they're going to play good defense. Sounds like the outdoor game kind of, or, you know, yeah. game manage and yeah. we'll shut you down. That's the thing, the mentality. Columbus knows they can't get in the shootout with Albany. If they get in the shootout with Albany, Albany's going to win this game. They have to contain Castronova and make Castronova one-dimensional, meaning to only one receiver. If Wade's having a day, if Dwayne Halls is having a day, yeah, it's uh, it's it's gone. It's it, That's the game over for Columbus because that means hmm. Albany is all cylinders. Interesting. Because, um, I mean, here's the thing. I – I want to see, for the most part, how does the Empire defense respond to what appears to be a more, at least a quarterback that's a little more in sync with the system that Jason Gibson wants to run. Um, yeah. Just no offense to Darren Daniel or Danny Southwick, but they weren't getting it, they weren't getting it done. I know Daniel was kind of thrown in there last minute. Southwick was brought in, and he didn't seem to gel as much. I know he was also injuries kind of affect him at times, but still, it wasn't it wasn't working. So this was the solution. So far, it's done great in two games. Uh, Smith's been at mobile. Smith has been able to find and make decisions quickly and in a timely order. He's been able to drop open open dimes to receivers that are getting open. That's something that was, you know, I we noticed in games and that people were talking had been telling us that hey, you know, these you know like Townsend and Forston and you know, you know, the company they all are Desmond Reese. They all have been able to find openings it's just that you need to be able to throw those guys that are open a chance to get a ball and so smith has been able to do that i want to see can albany respond with that being a more competent position now that is under center and honestly can you continue the process of like you're talking can we diversify who's getting the ball i'll tell you one thing that columbus jason gibson did a great job in their last matchup for the fact that darius prince had one catch for 21 yards that catch credit was a 21-yard touchdown that really sealed the deal for the Empire. But mm-hmm. for three and three-fourths quarters, Darius Prince had no catches. They were physical with him at the at the line, and they made him work for every yard he had to run. Question is, can you have you worked enough in practice and on the side to where you can get Aaron Washa, you know, Daquan Wade and company all in sync? get Dwayne Hollis. Can you get him a little more involved too? Yeah, I've been surprised. They haven't, he's been considered a decent receiving threat, but they don't target him as much. So can you get the other three that are very capable of causing damage to get more involved and make it less one, so one side or less centered on Darius Prince. There were signs last week. They made steps. I thought, you know, Wash, I think is the key as that number two right now, especially with Antoine Grant on IR, no timetable field return right now or not. So that being said, can you get him more involved? 
I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe they have. Um, Columbus's defense was very much able to, even with injuries aside or not, they were able to hold things down, you know, for the most part against uh, Jacksonville and against Carolina. Yeah. Daquan Murray did go off, but you know, turnovers, pressures, those things affect a quarterback. And, you know, if you can get a pick on Arvell Nelson, I'm we've seen for sure. If you pressure Sam Castronova, something will happen or he'll start having inconsistent throws. Um, mm-hmm. Something that's been more common with Albany in this losing streak, a lot of four, a lot more four and outs than the, than when the early goings with Sam starting under center, um, something you got to clean up and you have to do against Columbus. You have to take your drives. You have to be able to convert. You got to be able to find ways to score against this defense. And I think with Daniel Smith under center now with the lions, I don't trust the Albany defense to hold things down long enough. I, I feel you're going to have a turnover at some point that flips this game. Columbus, Jason Gibson, I think like you're saying, they're going to walk away under for Albany, unfortunately, a special night. They're going to walk away with their first win in the MVP arena. And as Jason Gibson put it, the rivalry will officially be born. <laughs> yeah, he did say that. I forgot that. He's yeah. got, he said, that's what he said. You got to beat, got to beat the other team first. Yeah, it, it, it's we're both had the same mentality where it's Albany prove us wrong type. Uh, you got to start off hot in the gate. You're, you guys are stumbling. And right now, if you were following trends, you're trending the wrong direction yes, of all are. the teams. But mm-hmm. you win this weekend, you shut me and Zach up. Hey, Ben, you got your next your schedule gets quite favorable, in my opinion. Uh, oh, yeah. But this is a this is a tough, tough game for Columbus. Well, I'll tell you, Columbus, I think they really need this win, maybe even more so than Albany in terms of the playoff race. I mean, you look at what Columbus has to deal with after Albany here with this mat- last matchup. They get two matchups against Carolina. San Antonio, who's been hot, and they only won by two last time. Credit, again, Lions have a great defense, but that offense has only gotten better since their last matchup. That should yeah. be an, an exciting game in the Columbus Civic Center, but you have to go to Carolina twice, by the way, in that three-week span, and you end with Orlando. Now, if Orlando can find a way to play a consistent 60 minutes, I mean, to me, that's that's a tougher schedule to have to slog through when you have to face the number one team in the league two more times. And I know they did a great job last time, but I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if, uh, if excuse, if maybe not excuses, but reasons hold up again in a second or third and you gotta go to the snake pit. It's it's tough. You know, you gotta play number one team three times, two of them at the back half of the season. You want to get wins where you can mm-hmm. so might be, might, you might want to have a little more, this will be a little more urgency. I think for Jason Gibson to real, to be like, guys, we got to walk away here. Give us a little bit more of a buffer from the muck as you put it, as we put yeah. it down below. That way, at least if we lose one or two of these things, we can still get in the playoffs. And then the fun begins. In chaos late July. begins. More chaos, chaos begins, begins in late July. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, more chaos. I expect chaos to happen. <laughs> um, even this week, I expect chaos to happen. Especially, I think chaos might happen in San Antonio this week. But I mean, will it? Ooh. You know, they're, I mean, again, I, I don't put it past that they're the hottest team in the NAL right now. You know? Yeah. The San Antonio gunslingers are in two weeks have impressed just not myself, not just Zach, but the NL community. And now the city of San Antonio is finally finding out, Hey, they have an arena football team. That's credit to the John Wayne ownership group of the mm-hmm. San Antonio Gunslingers. But this week they play the team of the NAL, the team that demolished them in Greensboro a few weeks ago. This time Greensboro takes the road trip to San Antonio to take on the gunslingers. Does Jonathan Bain, and the Gunslingers wrap up a postseason berth this week against the San Antonio uh, Gunslingers. Here's the reason. We are finally in playoff scenario season. First mm-hmm. week, week 10. Carolina makes a playoff spot with a win this weekend over San Antonio and a Orlando loss. If Jacksonville loses with San Antonio, with, Jackson, with Carolina winning, Carolina cannot clinch because they still have two games remaining against Jacksonville and they don't have the head to head against Jacksonville. So technically can't clinch. So we have playoff scenarios already in effect this week with Carolina. Do the Carolina Cobras clinch a postseason berth? Well, I will tell you that they will defeat the San Antonio gunslingers in San Antonio. Um, I think San Antonio's great run, great energy is sparking. I think, they're on the upswing of an organization 
But I have a feeling that Coach Rez and the Carolina Cobras want to wrap up a postseason berth so they can rest some players because they don't have bye weeks, rest some players so they can be healthy for this season coming up here, our playoffs coming in a couple of weeks. Keys to the game of this game for San Antonio. Play, have you been, have you been doing the last couple of weeks? Good defense and keeping everything in front of you. If Bain is having a Bain day, meaning he's thrown for 400 yards and six touchdowns, you're not being in Carolina. Carolina has too many weapons on the offensive side of the ball where Bain can just two-step drop, throw, float the ball down the field, and Kendrick Ings, DJ Myers, Lance Evans is down there, James Summers will catch the ball. They have too many weapons. Two, San Antonio, your keys to the game, in my opinion, sack. Bain is a must. Get him off Get him off center. When he hikes, better be in space. If not, he's going to tear your part. Very, very basic, no matter if it's an outdoor game, no matter if it's the Super Bowl, no matter if it's preseason. It's amazing. You get pressure on the quarterback, how your chances of winning increase tremendously. Um, but for also, for San Antonio, your special teams game, Kylie Rashad, you're epic. But don't expect you get the football in this game because T.C. Stevens and how Coach Rest does his uh, special teams, he's not going to kick you the ball. Uh, he's not going to make you beat him. Uh, he's going to make your offense beat him, not the special team. So I have a feeling that Carolina's going to use uh, T.C. Stevens as a weapon and eliminate San Antonio's weapon and Kylie Rashad on the special team size. I think Kylie Rashad is still going to eat. I think Phil Barnett's still going to eat on offense. And I think Robert Kent's going to make some plays too. This is going to be a very exciting game. I guarantee you this. I'll make a bet right now that San Antonio does not get blown out in this game. This will be a very competitive game. This is not going to be what we saw in Greensboro a couple weeks ago. It's not, not at all. It's going to be a lot no, closer. No. There could be controversy because it's arena football. It happens. Um, but this is going to be a close, a close game. But I do expect San Antonio to have the biggest crowd that they've ever had in the in Freeman Coliseum this week. And – why not? It's two win streak, two game winning streak, or two of the last three uh, win streak vibing. You're getting, you know, getting packed. Uh, they have good things going on. I think they're doing cowbells. I think they're uh, giving away cowbells. So they're going <laughs> yep, to yes they uh, try to make that arena loud. So expect a rowdy crowd. I expect the Carolina Cobras to go down there and take care of business because the faster they can wrap up a playoff spot and the faster they can wrap up the number one seed, the faster they can get Bane some time the rest. DJ some time to rest and key players on that team if they want to be the team hosting up the trophy here in August. So you know, I have Carolina Cobras win. Sorry if I didn't make that big. No, I, you made it. You're, oh, you're, I refer, did? you're just reaffirming it. Just reaffirming. Okay. That's all you're doing. That's all you're Lock doing. it down. That's my final answer. I'm you gonna, are I'm the gonna, weakest link. Dang I'm it. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to lay it down here. I don't know if this is – I haven't been able to find if the if Freeman has been given a nickname. You know, we have – we got the jungles, both in Orlando and you know Columbus. We got the Shark Tank. Um, the Empire don't really have a nickname, I guess, for MVP Arena. But you know, I guess Death the Star. the Kingdom, the Death Star, one of the two. Um, I'm I'm calling this the Saloon. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. It, I, I could I could tell from the pause. I, I might have not given this. Might not be your favorite. No, oh, it's Texas wise. It's Texas I, had a, I had a shooting gallery. Um, yeah. I had a, uh, the stable, nah, not stable. That'd be if it was like horses. Well, the gun, they do have a horse. They, they have a horse. They have a horse with do. a gunslinger. They, they do. Yeah. So I'm sticking saloon. with saloon. I'm sticking to my guns. Nope. Totally pun intended with this. I'm All sticking right, with my guns. I was going to say, I was going to call it the tombstone, but okay. Tombstone. Yeah. Hmm. The tombstone? Texas tombstone. I, I don't even know if that's that's too much. We got fans that list watch watch those movies: Tombstone, Yellowstone, whatever stone. I yeah, don't care. Get, yeah, good singers fans. <laughs> you know what? Drop a comment in the in the video or you know online. Let us know what you think the the nickname is. I'm calling it the saloon. That, that's my Target personal range. Opinion. Target range. The targeting range. I mean, you can lasso. Like I said, lasso. Uh, horns down. Oh, you can't do that in Texas. I'll get offended. Um, no, High but noon. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm messing around. Um, look, <laughs> <High> the, <noon. laughs> the Cobras are coming on in. Um, this is this is an adjusted roster for Fred Shaw and company. Um, 
they're going to give Carolina and Coach Rez and Co. a lot better of a con- contest this time around. Um, I'm 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 very much expecting at this point. I think any team that any team during the season, I wouldn't be shocked if they can win against each other right now. Uh, it's been it's pretty good competition across the yeah. board. San Antonio, I think, is caught up in just recent weeks. Uh, and I think one thing that helps, we talked about this in re, in the recap, but you know, adding Phil Barnett back, getting him back after he had uh, he originally signed and moved on to another league, he came back here, um, having that second option across from Khalil Rashad, you know, having Anthony Johnson as that third position as that third receiving option that does a great job being being uh, kind of the complementary piece. Of those two, uh, it's helped Robert Kent tremendously in having options. They've gotten chemistry down in recent weeks. They've been working at that. Um, that's been helping them a lot and they stick to their guns again, pun totally intended. I'm just going to keep going with the gun puns as much as I can. Uh, they, again, last week with Orlando, it was just stay the course. They'll find the opportunities. They make opportunities for themselves. That's what they've been doing these recent weeks. And I don't know if I don't see them winning against Carolina, but I'm going to, but I'm with you. I think it's going to be a damn good show over there in Freeman Coliseum. Uh, folks that are coming out there are going to have a good time. And it's going to be a, at least a close game. You know, the, the, you won't see a blowout in the third going into, into halftime, then getting completely swept away in the third quarter again, like they had several weeks prior. Uh, this time around, when the Cobras come down, come out west, things will be a little more dicey. Uh, they're going to have to have be much more on their best game as possible. Um, but I think really for the Cobras overall, they still have the be- more of the talent on that side of the ball. I mean, any one of their receiving options also has been playing great defense. Kendrick Ings won Iron Man of the of the week last week. You know, Ooh, he can. He pick- almost said the. He only said the Y word. <laughs> <laughs> what? He said, I, he, he said Iron Man of the week. No, <laughs> I didn't say year. There's still plenty of time. There's still a little bit of time with that. But no, oh, yeah. last week. I mean, like I said, you know, inter- you know, he can get, he can get pick, he can pick you off. He can run it back. He can go deep on you. You know, I mean, that's just one example. You know, DJ Myers very much has been able to do that. We've talked at length on how Joe Powell has become more and more so a vital two-way player. I mean, Zach Brown, who you've been referencing as a lot obvious, for obvious reasons, and me too. I mean, clearly, and you know, someone who's already won Iron Man of the Week this year at his own rank. I mean, they've got multiple weapons that are that two that are two-way stars that can go in opposite directions, and they got. Even though it's funny, we curse them with getting more. It seems like they've had been getting more sacks allowed in just weeks since we've interviewed John the Bain and Coach Rez. Um, you know, they still have a, they still have solid line play across the board. And again, their their choice to have where you know it's Ziegler there being the specialist rather than a receiver. It it's paid off in dividends for how versatile they can make. This I mean, Jay, I haven't even mentioned James Summers, you know, Lance Evans, of course. I mean, they have. There's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of just. There's just a lot of pieces you can interchange that they can keep at the same height, same uh, drive at least throughout a contest. There's no letting off the gas pedal if you can have guys you can throw in and they're 100 ready to go when needed at those positions. So, um, I think they just yeah. have a little too much. Uh, yeah, they got a little too much in the tank, I think, for the gunslingers to handle at this point. And I still, and I still believe that we have a big influence on the reason why that team's this good. I'm still taking that <laughs> credit on from, holding, from week, holding that one dearly. Maybe at least from week the end six of, of last season. Damn it, <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> at least till the end of this year, I'm holding on to that for sure. I'm gonna, yes. I'll, I'll clench it tightly. I got yeah. the Cobras walking away though. Uh, but look, folks, going out to Freeman. I mean, I. I will say I'm not going to be surprised if the gunslingers find a way to make an upset at this point. They've just made a massive turnaround. New new ownership's done a great job filling in pieces to make this a competitive team midway through the year again. I mean, again, they have an out, they still have a chance at the playoffs. So this is a game yeah. that is on the line that, you know, it's it's not out of the it's not out of the question. You get this upset, you're still in the fray. You want to get wins where you can. So kudos to them. I'm but yeah, hey, if they get an upset, I will love to talk about that too come our recap next week so don't count them out i just think the cobras are going to get the win here we love to eat crow just yes we that. do <laughs> yeah. we love to eat crow. We're, we are all right being proven wrong yeah. i am so, okay with that let's wrap up our predictions with the game of the nights here on friday night yes. the jacksonville sharks take on the orlando predators for the second game of a three-game series between the two and a crucial game 
in this series. Jackson wins this and win the season series and probably the pivotal tiebreaker to get the team that is in the playoffs and who is out. For the Orlando Predators, with the close loss last week against San Antonio and the come from behind and almost begin the Jacksonville Sharks a few weeks ago, the Orlando Predators are struggling and trying to find their way. If you look at trends, they're the ones that are trending down this time. I'll be live in the Shark Tank representing the Jacksonville Sharks. And, of course, it's the rivalry between us and the Predators. I can't miss that game. Well, I missed the one two weeks ago, but that was for different reasons, uh, family reasons, good things, but different Mm -hmm. reasons. So I will put two weeks of frustration in this game because I missed the first one. Um, I'm probably be extra drunk, probably. Don't know. Possibly. Don't know. (laughs) Depending. Depending. Last time the Orlando Predators came in the building when I was there. Uh, Brian Hicks shut me up a couple times, and DJ Myers made a point that he is one of the best receivers in the league. So keys of the game of this is or Arvell Nelson, keep doing what you're doing. You're home. You play a lot better at home than you do on the road. Just don't jinx it, Zach. Don't say that he's going to throw a crucial interception this week. I'll, I'll shut um, my mouth. Nay, nay, you know, nay, I'm, nay. I'm just pointing out a trend, man. It's just hey, a, it's something nay, that nay, he's, nay. he's done in the past. That's it. Positive vibes. Positive vibes. Bruce Raba, Bruce Raba. Um, <laughs> the two teams are heading in different directions right now. Jacksonville, yes, with a close loss last week. Mm, you already know my opinion about that game. Uh, a close loss last week against Columbus. I think they're in a better situation right now. It's superhero and fan appre- superhero superhero and teacher appreciation day in a Shark Tank. I've seen tickets pre sales, and uh, there's it's going to be good good numbers. I'll be in nice. attendance. Uh, at least two seats I know will be taken tomorrow. Um, but overall, this game is going to be key. Uh, Naquan Murray and Rob Jones have to step up again like they did last week. And if they do, uh, Jacksonville's defense will be the ones to uh, show up. Will they be the first half of last week's or two weeks ago's game against Orlando? Can they bring that mentality again for four quarters? Or will this be the copycat of a second half against Orlando like we did two weeks ago? For Orlando, get Beavers involved. Get uh, Outlaw involved. Let Cato do his thing. Because when they were doing their thing earlier last week, they were dominating until San Antonio was like, ah, we're done with that. And San Antonio got back in the game. You have to have that mentality. Bring that mentality. Jump out of the gate fast against Jacksonville and go score for score. Because we've said multiple times over the last couple of weeks, you got to outscore Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. They're not going to stop you. They're going to outscore you. It's who can do it the quickest. This is... This is the game that I'm not like really guaranteeing that Vickers won my only Sharks games that I'm like a little worried because Jacksonville with a win here can solidify themselves as a playoff team. The loss here gets Orlando back in the fold, gets San Antonio back in the fold, and it's more chaos in the second half. I'm going to say, stick with my fandom. Um, Jacksonville wins this game, is in the Shark team. I'm in attendance, but it's going to be one of those nail-biting type of games. I think Cato is going to bring in the mentality like he did in the first half against San Antonio and the second half against Jacksonville a couple weeks ago to Orlando. I think Higgins has made some adjustments that give Jacksonville interesting. And matter of fact, I kind of see Arvell making a dumb mistake that keeps Orlando in the game, but I don't see Orlando win this game. I do see a mid-range type of scoring game, mid-40s, low 50s, but this is going to be one of those traditional cardiac moments between the Orlando Predators and Jacksonville Sharks were were historically that type of rivalry. It comes down to whoever has the ball last and whoever makes a dumb a dumb mistake that is the result of someone who else wins. So um, stick in the fandom. I like Jacksonville this one, but I'm not confident in this win at all. Uh, I need to see a big performance by Naquan and a big performance by Rob Jones uh, to make me feel comfortable about this game. But um, right now, I'm a little hesitant on picking Jacksonville, but I will pick Jacksonville. So I'm if this is political season, I'm slightly leaning towards Jacksonville, slightly. <laughs> um, but it's the votes are still coming in, so it's not you know we can't say uh, projection. But yeah, slightly leaning towards Jacksonville. It's Real not confident. There. It's getting there. I'm not really confident in the game this week, honestly. So yeah, I got the Sharks and a close one in the Shark Tank over the Orlando Predators. Well, sure. And look, I'm gonna kind of just talk on something that also like. Orlando, we talked is the trend is they haven't been playing complete games for several portions of the season mm-hmm. that I can tell. Um, and and I, last last one against the Gunslingers this previous week. Something else is 
starting to become more of an apparent parent trend. Um, they're a little turnover happy. Uh, it's execution has not been there mm-hmm. in some of these in some recent weeks, and I think that's something that I mean, if you look at if we go two if we go two weeks prior, you know, one of the key moments in that last game against Jacksonville was a fumble recovery for six for the Sharks in the in the opening half. That is something you cannot. I mean, four and outs turnovers that convert to points you know orlando that is something that has become a trend is that they cannot they have at least one too many slip-ups not just four and outs where they slow down but also turnovers that are costly in the end i mean like i said i mentioned in the recap you know there was one intercept one of the interceptions cato threw last week was just a prayer really great one-on-one matchup that clarence williams didn't come down with so that converted to six they were up by two touchdowns at that point they could have gone up earlier by 20 plus if they just run a ball into the one yard line they had a fumble on the exchange going for a td and that one turned into six going the opposite way you have to be able to execute and you can't let mistakes like that bring you down possessions 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 they are so much more vital in this sport than they are in standard outdoor football there's a lot on that by the way you do yeah please do you have right now now, I have a stab from Orlando. Um, let me – I do have it because I, I want to write this down because I was told this. Um, teams in the NAL over the last four years that have three or more – three or four dry, scoreless drives have lost 93% of the games they've played in. I believe it. That's just uh, not Orlando. That's the whole league, league-wide. Right. But I, I believe that. I mean, you – in arena, you should be expecting – if at least, if I had to say upwards, 90% of your drives better finish in points. You yeah. have, if you're going to win most of your games, you have to consider that many drives because it's outdoor games. Okay. Maybe you're maybe leaning more 56, 60, 70% is pretty good. If yeah. you're winning a game 50 to 40, you still can maybe feasibly win. No, no, no arena. You got to be pushing like 80 to 90 every contest. Mm-hmm. If you want to walk away with Victor, that's just how it is. That's how the sport was designed. It was designed for fast-paced action, designed for you're almost guaranteed to go down. It comes down to one or two crucial defensive stops. That's arena football. Unfortunately, Orlando, that's where they're losing poorly is the execution is losing their them in the possession battle. Agreed. And that's Agreed. where they haven't been able to become – they aren't as good as some of the t- higher-up teams like, for example, lately, like a Carolina and Albany. Even though Albany's on a three-game skid, they mm-hmm. still majority-wise have been able to keep up with teams because they can – you know, they're able to go and convert a little bit more. Yeah. Um, the predators for this, it's it's simple. Just eliminate a few of the mistakes and, you know, don't go into, don't get into a lull. That's, that's it. You know, and one extra piece you have against you this week and credit, you got injured in this contest is, you know, you have Nyquan Murray, who has been now kind of the centerpiece for the sharks. How much can you mitigate him? You know, Devin Wilson's status is still shaky as we're understanding. Um, so you don't have to deal with, Wilson this time you have Naquan Murray to focus on um I, I'm not I'm not going to curse you but you already know what the other part of this is just on him talking about Arvell Nelson um clearly if you look for that and Rakeem Kate Rakeem Cato you know keep making smart decisions you overall is one of the better QBs in this league but one too many times it feels like drives stall out because they just can't connect with it's a pretty good receiving core if I'll be honest they it kind of surprises me honestly um, this is a crucial game because it's the rubber match could be awaiting next week for decisions between Jacksonville and Orlando. And not to mention that, you know, Orlando is still three and five. You get a win. You'll be four and five or Jacksonville will be four and six going into the rubber match next week. And then if you get two wins in a row, you then push down sharks. You can then move and bump back up. It, it just makes it a little more crazy, but you want to get to that point. You know, you, you at least want to get that chance to where, you can go and say, hey, at least the head-to-head, if it comes to a tiebreaker, we got that. You know, final shot, crucial game for the Predators. I just think the Sharks are going to walk away with it just because they've been a little more consistent. And, you know, Burley's unit, it feels like it's got things down pretty well. Last week, I felt they ran into a stone wall with how Columbus runs their, runs defensively. Simple as that. I wish um, I had your confidence. <laughs> just, I'm nervous just about me. this game, bro. That's just I'm just nervous. Me. The Predators, I, I've been waiting to see if defensively, too, they can take that next step as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't fully seen that yet. 
and that's something else holds up. I just don't think the Predators will be able to slow down the Sharks enough. Um, I also don't think that the Sharks will – I don't think this game's going to go into a 32-6 halftime where maybe the Sharks were in a lull coming in that second half and they felt they maybe had it in the bag yeah. and got a little if too close. If it's like that again, I don't see Jacksonville doing what they did two weeks ago. They'll, they'll remember, like, yeah, we can't give up what, what happened. Right. I just if don't see two straight. If it's it's going to be final scores be like 64 to 14 or something like with that. how crucial this game is for that season series. I just don't think Jeff Higgins, squad does that two matchups yeah. in three straight weeks. Um, you, they have to be on their best game. I think they've been pre they'd have to, they have to be preaching that in practice this week. It's like, this is our, one of our most important contests of the year. At least all, at least we've all agree. Usually we have one team that we, we pick against, but me and you are actually, we agree on our power rankings and we agree on the teams this week. That's odd. I think that. it's like one first time ever in the podcast. Uh, no, yeah. yeah, no. I, yeah, I do different. think, I do think tonight's game, you know, it, it should be fun. I just, uh, I'm just, it all depends to me on how Orlando responds to recently having just sluggish quarters or sluggish periods of games sure. in recent weeks. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's it. The ball's in their court. You know, they can keep up with, with Jacksonville and offensively question is, can you do that for 60 minutes? That's, that's your challenge. And can you do road. it smoothly limit your turnovers and your right. lost possessions? Cause it's that's, that's been, like I said, that those two things, those are your, their biggest killers right now this year. It's the reason and, they're three and five. And I've noticed on the chats through every game, I see people, Oh, the score's tied. It's like, yeah, but this team has the possession advantage. Mm-hmm. And people always tell me, the score is tied. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. Yes, right. the score is tied, but the team who has the football has the possession of the advantage, meaning they can score and have the lead and the possession advantage. You got to steal a possession on them. So this game is key. And that's one thing Orlando I've seen last couple of weeks. They've had three drives last year or last week that produced produce zero points. They had three, four, almost four drives two weeks ago in Jacksonville. Those four possessions you give up are hard to get back. Yeah, you'll score, you know, get the points back, but you're still down by three or four possessions. You have to gain those possessions. When you hear us say the possession advantage, that's the reason why. It doesn't matter what the score is. Now, I've seen teams with the possession advantage, and they trail. And, they, and the reason why they have the advantage is because halftime starts and they get the ball, so mm-hmm. that's where they get the gain. So um, I've seen a lot of people, like, combat us about the possessions advantage and the score. Um but this, every league, every team in this game that we cover, it's all about one thing around about the arena football. It's not like the outdoor game. Outdoor game is pivotal about this final scoreboard and the points. In the arena game, you got two things. You got the clock and you got possessions. The score doesn't mean anything. If you lead the possession battle, you're going to win these games. And, yeah, the score will tend to go your way. Uh, so when we say battle of possessions, that's the reason why. Possessions are so crucial in the arena game. Mm-hmm. Period. It's not like the outdoor game. Right. I mean, yeah, possessions, timing of set possessions. You know, if we're, we're talking coin flips, I mean, I'll be honest with you, that's that's the first thing I always look at is the coin flip even more so than in NFL or outer, outdoor leagues is, okay, who's got that ball first? Because it's almost you're almost expecting every possession, like I said, you expect almost every possession to score. Question right. is, you know, if the game flow, for example, if it's one that you're going back and forth, every possession for a team has been a score, um, mm-hmm. do you tie that up? You know, for example, are you tied up and say you have the ball last going to half? Do you get that extra score? And then who has the ball then the second half? You know, for example, if you get the first kick and you are starting the game with that kick, you want to at least be either you want to you want to at least be up a touchdown to me mm-hmm. going into halftime so that you can at least have a buffer and you still have to me a possession lead in that sense, even if you tie. Now, if you're the team that get that defers, you want to be tied at the minimum going into halftime because that means you get the ball back you then flip the script on the opposing team mm-hmm. that's where we talk about how like yeah you can be tied if you get extra point you can be tied with extra with extra points and such you know say matching up deuce for deuce or not and of course that's another elements the deuce rules too yeah. that can flip things but say it's just just touchdowns kicking isn't doing jack squat for you you know that's where it comes into play if you're tied it's about who has that said ball next that then could push it to seven that's what you're looking for you know to me that's who it is if four and out if you get a four and out for example and you're tied that then flips the game the opposite way so that's that's what you're looking at you know tie games are not really too tied it's because defense is very 
it's supposed defensively in arena. It's it's not as it's not as present or dominant as it is outdoors. So that's why we look at it that way too. Just a yeah. little more description on how we describe possession battle, possession game, the you know the possession, I guess uh, economy is how I put it in recent shows too. Yeah, and and that's key, and that's one thing I love about this game. It's just not about scoreboards, not about turnovers. It's possession battle, the possession game. The score, the time, everything gets into it. And so when you get down to that one-minute warning situation, that's when these possession advantages slash, you know, it's pleasant possession, let us speak English. <laughs> possession advantage becomes crucial when we get to those one-minute warnings. And so when you see me and Zach say that online, we're just telling you who has the advantage. Usually the team that has the advantage is the team that's going to win no matter what the score is. But if you get a turnover, that advantage swips to on your side of the pair. So, anyways, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is week 10 preview here on the final walkthrough, getting you guys ready for NAL action tonight here in Jacksonville, tomorrow in San Antonio, and, and up in Albany for the, I think, one of the, mar- the marquee matchup of the week between the Columbus Lions and the Albany Empire. So, it's only been 10 there. weeks. That, that's also crazy. It's been 10 weeks already. Yeah, oh, 10 my, weeks. A little and, bit to me. And, un, and unlike four teams in the league, me and you have to do every single week because we don't get bye weeks here on the inside of the football hey, podcast. Hey. <laughs> See, that's how I do it. But anyways, ladies, you can follow us on Twitter at MWALS Pod, Facebook, and Instagram, also nationalarenaleague.com forward slash videos to get all your updated information from the inside of the walls podcast. Also, like, subscribe, hit the bell because it builds morale for our Lovely podcast. We're getting there. We're down to 12 more subscribers to get 100 subscribers. And when we get 100 subscribers, one of you will get two tickets to an NAL game of their choosing. Could be an NAL playoff game or the NAL championship, depending on how the season ends. But for myself and Zach Kalaman, we can't leave without one thing. Ah, Eliminate the mistakes. And one way you do that, is just stop. Don't be a jack out of the box. Free first downs are always going to be your worst nightmare. Yes, because jack out of the box can really continue the possession of energy. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been episode 53 here of Inside the Walls podcast. Enjoy this weekend's action in the National Marine League. We'll see you Wednesday.